It is Thursday, January 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the final weekly preview edition of the podcast for the 2022 NFL season. I'm your host, Matt Schaub. With me, as always, is Jared Small. And of course, Jared, week 18 is always different. The first difference, though, there's no Thursday night game. I'm guessing you feel the same way I do. I'm pumped because normally we finish this and I got to scramble to get it posted before the game. We got to do all the other pregame prep stuff. I got to push a family aside and tell them, guys, I got a game starting at eight something. I got to get my stuff done. Please stop asking me for dinner. Yeah, I'm going to maybe like start a new Netflix show or something. Probably probably get to bed by like 10 p.m. It's going to be it's going to be nice. I feel like I should just be drafting playoff fantasy teams right now where uh, like I had to close out of underdog. So I stopped <laughs> for this week because, you know, it's, it's well-timed with that money from the regular season ending tournaments popping into your account. And you're like, Hey, you know, just in case you feel like spending some of this before the season's over, uh, you got pickums going on, but, you know, people can check out the free underdog pickums article on the site right now. Fared pretty well last week. If anybody's interested in winning some money. Yeah, it's been a good year with the Pickums. Um, I, I've been pounding the underdog Battle Royales um, even heavier than usual this week. I feel like there's more of an edge. Um, there are guys being drafted, which we'll get into here, that I, I don't think you're going to play much, if at all. So it's de- definitely a good week for that if you're looking for something to do. Yeah, and we will certainly be back on here for the full DFS drafting show tomorrow, covering both Battle Royales in underdog and sleeper daily drafts. But For now, we'll run through the Week 18 slate. Not going to do every single game because it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense now that most people are not playing. Most leagues finish in Week 17, but there are still some going. There is still DFS. There are still pick-ems. There's plenty to be interested in in Week 18. And Jared, it starts with the motivation of teams. The, The reason that most of us don't play through that final week is because the final week is when you're more likely to have teams that are not playing to win the game like they are throughout pretty much the rest of the season. So what teams do we have to be specifically worried about on that front for week 18? Yeah, let's start with the playoff teams. I mean, the teams that have been eliminated are even tougher because they can do whatever they want. Um, We can get into some of those after, but as far as the playoff team, so bucks are locked into the four seed and the giants are locked into the six seed. Those are the two playoff teams that we know where they're going to be seated. And so they literally have nothing to play for now. On the Bucks side, Todd Bowles said he's going to play his starters. I'm not buying it. Vegas isn't buying it. The Bucks are currently four-point underdogs against Atlanta, which would obviously not be the case if we thought they were going to play starters. So to me, the Bucks guys are almost totally hands-off this week. You know, if you know Leonard Fournette and Rashad White end up inactive on Sunday, maybe you can consider Keyshawn Vaughn if you're desperate, you know, something like that. Same deal with the Giants. I think they're locked into the sixth seed. Brian Dable hasn't said what his plans are. The Giants are implied for 14 and a half points against the Eagles. I think they'd be a few points higher if, if Vegas expected the Giants to play starters. That's another team I'm, I'm pretty much just trying to avoid if possible. Um, Minnesota is a bit trickier. They're either the number two or number three seed, depending on their game and what happens with the 49ers. Uh, Minnesota can't get the one seed. Uh, their head coach, Kevin O'Connell, said Monday that he's not going to sit his starters, but he did say – that he might make, quote, more subtle adjustments to playing time. So, you know, you could see the, the Vikings play the Bears. They're big favorites. No Justin Fields in that game. You know, the, the, that game might be over by halftime. You could you could see, you know, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, those guys get pulled at halftime. And then the other tricky team, I think, is the Chargers. So the Chargers are still battling the Ravens for the five seed in the AFC, which does matter, I think. That's the difference between playing the Jaguars or Titans winner or whoever ends up the three seed, you know, between the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals. So to, to me, and um, Chargers head coach Brandon Staley has, has said that, you know, they, they, they want the five seed. They they care about the five seed. They're going to play to win this game if they need to, though. The Chargers play it in the late window. The Ravens play in the early window. And if the Ravens lose to the Bengals, and they're currently seven-point underdogs the last I looked, um, it's probably going to be Tyler Huntley again there in there for the Ravens. If the Ravens lose – then the Chargers would have nothing to play for in that game against the Broncos. So that that's almost the trickiest one where we probably won't even know until, you know, 4 p.m. or so if the Chargers are going to need to play their guys in that one. Yeah, I mean, and all of that is why you should not have to be <laughs> running through week 18. I would have to guess right now that the Ravens lose that game. We'll talk about quarterbacks in a minute, but it doesn't look like Lamar Jackson's going to be ready. The Ravens have not been very good and the Bengals have been very good. So it's, I mean, obviously it's possible, 
but it's hard for me to imagine the Bengals losing that game to Baltimore with something yep. for the Bengals to play for. And like you said, I do think that that five, six difference matters because I, I would surely rather play the AFC South winner than Bengals chiefs or bills. However, however that ends up. So I, I do think it matters, but it sounds like it's a, it has a good chance of not mattering by the time the chargers play. So let's run through and you know, you alluded to the, the non-playoff teams, but there's only so much we know about that. And we'll, yeah. we can talk about teams here and there. We'll also keep an eye out for, you know, coaches saying out loud what they're going to do this week and maybe other reports or indications of what to expect. But you know, that uncertainty is what makes this week so difficult. We'll go through positions now and talk about what we do know and what we're still waiting to find out quarterback start with some injuries where Justin Fields has already been ruled out for that bears team that you mentioned has a hip strain. doesn't seem like a significant injury, but enough to keep him out this week. And that's really, that's one other key, whether you're in the playoffs or not, it, there's more motivation to not play a guy through an injury this week. Cause a lot of these guys, they already have contracts set for next year. You might have backups that you want to take a look at for various reasons, a playoff team, even a playoff team with something to play for like seating, you know, you have to weigh that versus what if you lose this particular player for the playoff opener or beyond, just because you're trying to play for that two, three, even one seed. So it, that's an extra layer of decisions for NFL coaches this week and something to consider as we set our lineups, Justin Fields out Lamar Jackson, still not practicing with his knee injury. So we're assuming he's out right now. We'll watch for any change there. No Tua Tonga this week because of his concussion. Again, Teddy Bridgewater is a question mark with the dislocated pinky. So we'll see about that. Skylar Thompson would be the starter without Teddy Bridgewater in there with playoffs on the line for the dolphins. And then the Colts are going back to Sam Ellinger, not sure how much that matters. Every single quarterback in Indy stinks right now, but you know, Sam Ellinger didn't help anybody on offense when he was in there before. Yeah. And Sam Howell's going to get the start in Washington, not injury related there, but they're going to give him a look. And Washington's a team where um, we've already gotten a report this morning, or maybe it was yesterday that, you know, they might pull guys like Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson early in the game. Brian Robinson is banged up. Um, Antonio Gibson was placed on IR. So Washington is a team that, um, it, you know, it kind of seems like they're treating this more like a preseason game. Mm-hmm. And with good reason, but we'll address that backfield in a few minutes. Elsewhere at quarterback, Jalen Hurts did return to a limited practice Wednesday. That's a step up versus last week where he did not practice Wednesday because of that shoulder injury. Was limited Thursday, was limited Friday, didn't, did not play in that loss to the Saints, of course. Nick Sirianni says this week that Jalen Hurts' health is going to be more important than trying to win the game. We'll have to wait all week and see if Jalen Hurts is going to play. The question I think right now is if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, because we won't know that until later in the week. If he doesn't, though, what do we do with Gardner Minshew right now? This time last week, he seemed like a decent QB one. And then he went out and had a terrible game against a meh to poor defense. Yeah, well, I guess for starters, I'm expecting Hurts to play. Um, you know, the Eagles obviously do need to win this game to lock up the the one seed. And the reports are that Hurts took the first team reps in the walkthrough on Wednesday, which suggests that the Eagles are, you know, preparing for him to start. Um, he was doing that it, last week too, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we'll say, I mean, if it's Minshew again, I'd go back to him looking at our rankings like somewhere right around – 10th at quarterback I, mean, I think you'd be weighing him against someone like Jared Goff someone like Aaron Rodgers um, you know the, the Eagles are currently implied for 28 and a half points it's the second biggest total on the slate now again that makes me think Vegas is expecting Hurts to start but um, even if it's Minshew I think that the Eagles you know in this matchup against the Giants who again I expect to rest some defensive starters as well um, it, it'd be a really good spot for Minshew the Saints pass defense has been tough lately um, so I, you know this would obviously be a much better matchup for Minshew than the one he bombed in last week they did get Marshawn Lattimore back for that one, their number one corner. First time he had played since I think week five. So certainly a significant upgrade there. And I mean, it is Gardner Minshew. It is a backup quarterback. It, it, all NFL players are capable of having a bad game. A backup quarterback is certainly more capable even than a, a starting quarterback of doing so. I would put Gardner Minshew ninth if he is playing and Jalen Hurts is out. That, of course, takes Hurts out from the slot above that. So it would be right behind Brock Purdy against Arizona, right ahead of Jared Goff against Green Bay. Yep, I'd have him in the same spot, I think. Justin Herbert, I pushed for a slight move down the rankings yesterday, and then this morning I found him much lower than he had been before. And I think the reason is probably what you said before, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, we're, we're baking in some risk of him not playing the whole game, you know, potentially not playing at all. Um, and again, we'll continue to update 
these projections and rankings as we learn more. You know, Her- Herbert was lower than you might expect even before uh, th- that news of potentially Chargers resting guys. Chargers have gone 49% run over the last two weeks. And those were two easy wins. But even in terms of pass rate over expected, they, they were in the negatives. They were negative 1%, negative 3% versus positive 6% over the first te- 15, 15 weeks of the season. So that's something to to keep an eye on and even, you know, consider as you get into these playoff tournaments um, and, and contests, um, you know, the Chargers have been one of the past heaviest offenses, you know, even dating back to last season, but they've, they've shifted a bit the last two weeks. And I think it's more opponent based and that they go back to being a pass leaning offense in the playoffs, but yeah, it's at least something to consider. I mean, the dolphins too, we, the dolphins were the first game in that stretch, right? Or was it after that one? Uh, it was after that one. Okay. Because, I, I mean, the Colts game, it, it looked easy yeah. at the end, but that was a single-score um, gap until the second yeah. half. So I, see, I, I think that there's something to it. The other factor here, if the Chargers do wind up having something to play for at game time, the Broncos remain tough on QB scoring. Sixth toughest by adjusted fantasy points allowed. Only three quarterbacks have reached 250 passing yards against them this season, and two of those was Patrick Mahomes. The other was Derek Carr in overtime. And he was sitting at 239 before overtime when he hit a 33-yarder and a 35-yarder. And I remember that specifically because I thought I was winning a pick with Derek Carr until they went into overtime. Justin <laughs> Herbert threw for 238, zero touchdowns in the first meeting with the Broncos this year. Did not have Keenan Allen, but did have Mike Williams. So even if they have something to play for, it's still a downside risk spot for Justin Herbert this week. Yeah, the Chargers imply totals down to 18.75 points. And again, that that moved when, when we got the news that that Bengals game, Bengals-Ravens game would be early. Even before it moved, though, the Chargers were implied for just 21 and a half points. That was like mid-pack on the week and definitely lower than they've been a lot of weeks. So it, it's definitely a, a tough spot for this offense. Brock Purdy is next on our discussion list. Two touchdown passes in every single game, Jared. And, you know, that's one of those stats that can be – it can say – the wrong thing. It can lead you to believe something that's not true, yeah. but his PFF passing grades have also steadily improved over his starts. His two best have come the past two weeks. Both of those came against weak to poor defenses, but they don't face a good one this week in Arizona. Either. Yeah. Yeah. The Niners have the third highest implied total on the week at 27 points, um, which would tell you that Purdy is, is another good bet for touchdowns. You know, his production has come on low volume throughout this stretch. And that's probably going to be the case again with the, you know, 49ers big favorites over, this Cardinals team, but Purdy's just been super efficient, which is what we tend to see from quarterbacks in this Kyle Shanahan offense. Also looks like he's going to get Debo Samuel back this week. Um, so that helps too. So yeah, I mean, again, Purdy sits ninth in our quarterback rankings right now. I think he's a viable you know, starter if you're, you're still playing your season long. And I think he's someone to consider in DFS because the, the Niners do have something to play for here. So they can still get the one seed if they win and the Eagles lose, you know, that's obviously unlikely. Maybe some risk of the 49ers pulling guys in the second half of this game if the Eagles have a big lead, but at least at the start, the Niners are going to be playing to win. And Debo, for what it's worth, did say despite having the full practice Wednesday doesn't necessarily mean he's back. Said he's only going to play if he's 100% ready to go. So we'll watch him through the week and see what happens. The other thing to watch is Christian McCaffrey's status. He sat out Wednesday's Mm -hmm. practice with an ankle injury, and that's one of those situations where, like I said, even with the number one seed to play with, they're going to have to balance that versus if they, if he aggravates that ankle and then is limited at all in the first round of the playoffs, is that worth chasing after this one seed? So that's definitely going to come into play. If like you said, we're in game and it's playing out that way where the Eagles are trouncing a giants team with nothing to play for. And the Niners have enough of a lead or suddenly a game that really doesn't matter. Yeah, we, we nudged McCaffrey down our rankings a tad yesterday, still projecting him to play again, which I think he will if he's able with the, the Niners still having a chance at the one seed. But I, there is a chance he's you know limited, um, especially in the second half of that game. Jared Goff follows Brock Purdy here. He follows Brock Purdy in our rankings. And really, we've gotten to the point this season, Jared, where you don't have to make the case for Jared Goff. <laughs> you kind of have to make the case against yeah. him. And the case against him this week, as far as I'm concerned, is the Packers are eighth toughest on QB scoring by adjusted fantasy points allowed. They are 10th for the season in football outsiders past defense DVOA. It's not necessarily a strong defense that scares you. There have been wide swings in that performance, but it is a defense that's much weaker against the run facing the Detroit offense that would like to run it. 
Yeah, Green Bay fifth in pass defense DVOA over the last five weeks. Obviously, just had a dominant performance against Kirk Cousins. Um, you do have Jared Goff back on the road. We'll see about the weather at Lambeau on, on Sunday night. Um, but you know, obviously, a, a tough spot where it's like, you know, do do you trust Jared Goff in this? You know, but could be a must-win game for the line. That's the other thing too. If um, Seattle wins against the Rams on Sunday afternoon, this game's actually meaningless for the lions, I would still expect them to play to win. Um, but I don't know if there's some, you know, let down potential there. If they find out, you know, an hour, hour before kickoff that this game actually means nothing to them. I wouldn't adjust my outlook for the lions in that case, because even then they would still have the motivation of keeping the Packers out of the playoffs. Yep. And I mean, at that point in the last game of the season, what else do you have to play for? You, you have anything, you have this coach that is a motivator. Like he's going to get the team up for yeah. even that purpose. Um, if that's all they have to play for. So we'll see about that. I, I think Jared Goff has gotten to the point where he's okay. You don't have to go hunting for a replacement for him, but there is the downside risk for all those factors we talked about here. Yeah, for sure. Aaron Rodgers, fine spot, but he's quarterback <laughs> 25 in fantasy points per game on the season. He's right behind Marcus Mariota and Russell Wilson in that category. Four straight games with one touchdown pass, all of those victories, all of those against poor pass defenses, Bears, Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, 31st, 24th, 25th, 26th in pass defense DVOA. So the Lions aren't good in that category, but yep. they even rank higher than those four teams that we already saw Aaron Rodgers just be okay against. Yeah, I mean, based on the matchup, Rodgers should be a top eight quarterback this week. Um, his his team, the Packers, have the fourth highest implied total. On the main slate at 26.75 points, like you mentioned, Detroit has not been good against the pass, but Rodgers just has not got it done all season. He has just one week where he's finished better than quarterback 12. Um, he's been quarterback 14 each of the past two weeks in, in plus spots, so it's just tough to tough to bank on a ceiling performance for him. I do think the floor is, is okay because of the matchup, but um, he just hasn't shown that ceiling all season. Yeah, he's okay. Like if he, you know, similar to Jared Goff, you don't have to go hunting to replace him. He's not likely to kill you. And at QB 11, that even seems a little high for me based on what we've gotten from Aaron Rodgers. But if you look behind him, it's basically the end of probably won't kill you territory. You can look yeah. behind him. We've got Justin Herbert, who we talked about his situation. We've got Deshaun Watson, who definitely still looks like he has could kill you potential. Russell Wilson, Jarrett Stidham, Sam Darnold. So I think Stidham and Darnold are the two guys that we'll probably get questions about between now and Sunday. And, you know, you could play either of those guys, but the issue is it's still Jared Stidham and it's still Sam Darnold. And they could easily both implode this week just as easily as yep. put up big games again. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, maybe it's a narrative, but I'm going to trust Aaron Rodgers at home in a primetime game to, to, you know, get into the playoffs. I, I think, I think he'll bring it on Sunday night. Um, again, I feel, I feel okay about his floor. I think, I think he's not going to have a bad game. Like you said, that, that that's going to kill your fantasy team. Yeah, and that's where the numbers back it up. He hasn't killed you. He just hasn't won anything. Yes. Yep. Running back. Injuries to watch this week. James Conner, no practice Wednesday. Knee and shin issues. I would not be surprised if he sits out, but we'll watch that situation. Josh Jacobs, no practice. Hip and oblique. The team website called it a a personal day. So we'll see what that means. We'll see about his status. Christian McCaffrey, I already mentioned. Kenneth Walker, no practice because of an ankle and an illness, but he's been playing through that ankle the past three games, had 26 and 23 carries the past two games. So I'm going to assume Kenneth Walker's playing in a game that they need to win to get to the playoffs. We talked a little bit about the Washington backfield. Brian Robinson did not practice Wednesday. Of course, Gibson didn't practice either. He has since been placed on IR, so we know he's out. Brian Robinson, I would guess that Washington keeps him out too. He doesn't have to prove anything to them. In the final game, they already elevated Jarrett Patterson from the practice squad after they put Antonio Gibson on IR. No, There's just no reason not to give the backfield to Jonathan Williams and Jarrett Patterson instead of forcing uh, an even slightly injured Brian Robinson onto the field this week. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. Um, and in that case, I wouldn't want to touch either of those Washington backs. Um, commanders are 11 and a half point underdogs against Dallas. Dallas, of course, still something to play for, too. They can still win the division. If they win and the Eagles lose, um, Washington implied for 17 points. I, you know, Jonathan Williams basically stepped into the Antonio Gibson role last week as the primary pass catcher. So if you do have to mess with one of those running backs, I'd actually prefer Williams over Patterson just for the pass catching. And we did see a report from the Richmond Times Dispatch that it looks like Jarrett Patterson is in for a big share of the workload this week. That, of course, 
points to Washington pulling away from the, the injured starter and giving the ball to the guys that haven't had a shot. And, you know, there's, there's some of not wanting to injure Brian Robinson further, but there's also like, this is the end of the season. Jarrett Patterson has been practicing with the team all year. It's kind of that like college senior day thing where you're like, <laughs> we like Jarrett Patterson. He's been giving yeah. us a lot all year. This game doesn't matter. Let's give the ball to Jarrett and let him have a day. Local kid from, from UB Buffalo would like to see him have a day. That's right. Tony Pollard, by the way, let's close that out with practice, with positive practice news back to full practice Wednesday. So looks like we should be able to use Tony Pollard just fine for that game. Yeah. And again, I'll expect him back in his normal role. Cause Dallas still has st- still has something to play for. Um, Pollard's a guy I've been taking quite a bit in the last round of these underdog drafts. He's, he's going undrafted quite a bit, actually kind of been out of sight, out of mind, I guess. And I forgot to seek out the Washington injury report on defense, but I know they lost Jonathan Allen to a knee injury last week. That's bound to hurt the run defense. The, the list was long. I remember looking at it last night and there were like 15 guys on it. So, Yeah. And of course their website does not have their own injury report on it for week 18 right now. So thanks for the help, Washington. Other guys who are not necessarily injury risk, Miles Sanders, limited Wednesday still, had a knee issue last week, was out limited full last week. So not a game status for that game against New Orleans, did wear a knee brace for the game. And then his playing time was down against the Saints. Jared, what do you make of Miles Sanders for this week? Yeah, playing time way down. They basically split snaps a third, a third, a third between Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell. Um, but man, I I, I want to love Sanders this week, and I think I'm going to look back past the usage last week. We'll see what he does in practice the next few days. But he gets this Giants run defense that's been bad for a while. That includes the Week 14 game when these two teams met. Miles Sanders, 17 carries for 144 yards and two touchdowns in that game. Again, you're either going to have a still less than 100% Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew under center. It would make sense for the Eagles to go run heavy in this game. So I think Sanders is in a really nice spot to, to bounce back big. That Saints game really just got away from the Eagles. And it looks like it got away from them on the coaching front last week. He had two carries in the first half. They didn't have any other carries in that portion. They barely had the ball at all. 17 offensive plays, 15 of those dropbacks, despite taking five sacks on them. So the first half got away from him. He still had 10 carries in the second half. So it's not like they phased him out or like they were sitting him in the second half. They had two other running back carries that were not by Miles Sanders in the second half. So he was still clearly controlling that area. It was the passing game where they were going to Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell instead of Miles Sanders. They combined for 29 routes versus eight for Miles Sanders. So, you know, I think the first half got away from him by them just not having the ball. The second half, they're trailing and trying to come back. And, you know, they just don't view Miles Sanders as the come from behind catch pass as running back. We've seen that before. Yeah. So I agree with you that as long as we don't have any indication that the injury this week is any worse or a limitation, I think he's set up for a big game this week, particularly in a game where the quarterback is either going to be a less than 100% Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew coming off a terrible outing. And again, the Giants' run D has been bad when they've been playing all their guys, and I I think they're going to end up resting some defensive starters in this one. Mm -hmm. Cam Akers, he has had the Rams' three largest rushing totals of the season the past three games. He has been over five yards per carry in each, and the past two have seen him carry the ball 23 and 19 times. He's also the backfield receiving leader now, Jared. Is he just a guy that you have to start this week? Yeah, and he's going to be an interesting guy to try to rank heading into 2023. I mean, he's a guy a lot of us liked as a prospect. Um, He obviously had the Achilles injury, looked bad for most of the season, but looks to me like Cam Akers again over these last few weeks. And like you said, has been getting the usage. 75 plus percent of the Rams offensive snaps in three straight games now. Um, He's 12th among all running backs and expected fantasy points over that span. So he's getting the usage, has the matchup. Seattle 28th in adjusted points allowed to running backs. Um, Akers is a, a pretty easy season-long start this week and definitely someone to look at in DFS and these you know drafts on underdog and sleeper. And the Seahawks were even higher than that in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs before last week, but the Jets couldn't do anything against them. So they brought that number down. Yeah, great spot. He's been getting the ball. I would bet that in these earliest 2023 best ball drafts, people are going to be skeptical of Akers and he's going to be yeah. in like Miles Sanders territory from early draft season last year where he's sitting in round seven, round eight. Mm-hmm. Once the tournaments get going, he's going to be an interesting guy to get some shares of, I think. Yeah, I'll be buying it at those prices. Um, Again, I I believe in the player. The bigger question to me is the Rams in general. What they do on the O-line, is Matt Stafford healthy for next season? Those are kind of the bigger questions to me with Akers. 
Yeah, certainly price is going to matter a lot. If he's in round five, then I'm not nearly as interested until we start getting some questions answered. That's fair. Patriots backfield is a problem for fantasy, Jared, don't you think? Yeah, um, Damian Harris returned last week and we got back to not quite a 50-50 split, but you know something like a 60-40 split uh, with Ramondre Stevenson still leading, but Harris mixing in plenty. Harris mixing in on passing downs, even Ramondre Stevenson's route rate was down to 49%. Damian Harris was at 33%. So, um, and, and, you know, a uh, pretty tough spot here against the Bills, you know, on, on the road against the Bills, who, again, do still have something to play for. So, um, you know, Stevenson, much lower in our rankings this week than he has been over the past couple months. Much lower. I would still take Tyler Algier over him. I It would also be tough for me to start Ramondre Stevenson over Nick Chubb or DeAndre Swift across formats, just given the better matchup for Swift. And just Chubb being the best player among the guys we're considering in this range. And he showed last week that even if he's heading into a matchup that doesn't look positive, he's still capable of turning it into a positive. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what Stevenson to me has over Algier and Chubb is the pass catching stuff. I do still think he's, you know, the best bet among those guys for targets. Um, so that's why he's ahead of them in PPR for me. Those guys pass him in, in half PPR. I don't have a problem betting against this Patriots pass offense. Can't argue with that. Dolphins backfield also a split, but maybe not quite as much of a split as that New England one or as the final fantasy numbers from last week say. Yeah, Jeff Wilson did clearly lead Raheem Mostert in both snaps and routes. Um, 65% of the snaps for Jeff Wilson, 42% for Raheem Mostert. Of course, we have the the Jets matchup, which isn't good for these guys. We have, I I think it's probably going to be Skylar Thompson under center for Miami. Um, Teddy Bridgewater still couldn't throw as of Wednesday, so we'll see how he progresses. I don't expect Miami's offense to do much if it's Thompson. The one thing Thompson has targeted running backs at a stupid rate in his two games under center this season. Um, 30% of his passes went to running backs in week five. That game actually came against the jets. 52% of his passes went to running backs in a relief of Teddy Bridgewater last week. So that, that to me is the only thing kind of working in these backs favor is that, you know, maybe they rack up some targets. Um, But again, it's tough to expect uh, much in terms of efficiency in this spot. I think that's a factor, though, that makes them more interesting than they would be otherwise, because like you said, 11 of his 21 pass attempts went to running backs after (laughs) filling in for Teddy Bridgewater last week. And now we've got a tough Jets pass rush that that grades third best in the league, according to PFF. So um, there should only be further motivation to target those running backs. You know, neither is a guy that I'm going to be excited about at all. But we saw last week either has receiving upside. It was Mostert who had who caught all eight of his targets last week. Jeff Wilson only caught three, but had seven targets. So there is some receiving upside to both of these guys who are both, you know, at least upside players when they do have the ball. Yeah, both guys capable of breaking off a long run if they get get a gap, especially Mostert. Again, I I do think Wilson is the guy to lean towards, though, just based on the playing time last week. But we've seen it be a you know flimsy situation where your guy can kind of jump ahead in any given week. But if you're picking between them, I would go Jeff Wilson. Who would have guessed that this season would end with talking about <laughs> Zach Moss in multiple weeks? But the guy has averaged 5.15 yards per carry over the past few games. He's just not getting the ball enough. And now we get to the Texans, who, um, you know, we talked about maybe being improved in run defense, and then they got ripped by Travis Etienne last week. Um, the Colts are actually three point favorites. And Michael Hasty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's you know, definitely a matchup to attack. Still, I think um, the Colts are favored in this game. Maybe, maybe they do, you know, lean on Zach Moss a bit more as they probably should have the, these last few weeks. But yeah, he continues to to dominate work in this backfield. Fifty one carries over his last three games. Um, not much work in the passing game, which hurts. He has just two targets over the last three, but um, I think he's an RB3. Could do a lot worse than Zach Moss. And I think he probably belongs in RB2 territory this week. I don't believe that Houston's capable of taking a lead on a team at this point, which was the primary issue with the Giants last week. You know, we talked about in the Chargers game before where the game was close enough that they probably should have run the ball more. Maybe let's hope that they learn from that one. I, I think this game stays close. I think that yeah. the Colts have every reason to just lean on Zach Moss. You know, whether they will, we'll see. And that's the, the issue is you trust something that hasn't really happened. But if we look back to that Minnesota game where he filled in for an injured Jonathan Taylor, he did hit 24 carries in yep. that game where they were in the kind of game script that supports running the ball. So there is at least that tiny bit of evidence to say maybe if they get ahead, they do this. Well, we saw the Colts go run heavy under Sam Ellinger earlier this season. Now, that was before Jeff Saturday took over. But Saturday was also going run heavy prior to the last two weeks when, you know, for some reason, he decided to, to chuck the ball over the field that uh, Nick Foles 
<laughs> you got Nick Foles. You got to use him, Jared. Yeah. Wide receiver injuries. Amari Cooper was out with a hip on Wednesday and also rest. So we'll see which of those is yeah. more true. The Browns, I, I think the Browns will be motivated to try to keep the Steelers out of the playoffs this week. You know, some other teams might play it differently, but the this kind of rivalry between these teams, I believe that the Browns will be motivated. I would guess that Amari Cooper plays, but obviously we'll watch his situation. Deontay Johnson on the other side did not practice Wednesday with his own hip injury. He's been dealing with that to some degree since week 14. This is a downgrade from last week where he was limited full, full on the three practice days. So, I mean, we already don't love playing Deontay Johnson. This is just a further limitation, especially with the quarterback who doesn't target him as much. Yes, any reason to not play Deontay Johnson seems like a, a good thing at this point. And then Traylon Burks limited with the groin issue. I doubt that it keeps him from playing, but yeah. you know, maybe it's just another mark in favor of Tennessee giving Derrick Henry 30 carries. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's why Burks sits lower in our rankings this week because you know we're projecting Tennessee to go super run heavy in that game. We you know we did see Burks have a nice game last week with Josh Dobbs under center, who I thought looked okay. You know, definitely an upgrade over Malik Willis. But um yeah, we'll keep an eye on Burks injury, but he's definitely not someone I'm looking to use this week just because I don't think you're gonna get big passing volume from the Titans. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week's Garrett Gardner Minshew is an upgrade over Malik Willis. Garrett Wilson is it's kind of tough to it, it's kind of tough to remember now how much he was helping us recently because 48 yeah. total receiving yards over the past two weeks, but seven plus targets in six straight games over that six game span. He's still averaging 9.8 targets, five catches, 80 yards per game. So still somebody that we should look to use this week, right? For sure, yeah. I just wanted to highlight him because he obviously let you down big time if you used him last week. That Seattle wide receiver defense continues to be tough. Um, but Wilson did get 11 targets last week. He ran her out on every single one of Mike White's dropbacks. The issue last week was White, who you know seemed to be struggling with that rib injury. Um, White was PFF's second lowest graded passer of the week. Um, so that's the concern for me. Hopefully White's better as he you know puts that injury another week behind him. Um, and Wilson gets a, a much better matchup this weekend against the Dolphins um, who have not been great against wide receivers to begin with and are dealing with a bunch of injuries in their secondary. We'll see if Xavier Howard is able to return for this game. Yeah, that was just an ugly game to watch, especially as somebody who needed some points from Garrett Wilson in that spot. But I would go ahead back to Garrett Wilson in this one because it's a better matchup for him. On the other side, though, Jalen Waddell, not as easy to bet on right now. What's what's your take on Jalen Waddell before I give mine? Yeah, he's always a tough guy to bench because he can make one play and you know, have a nice fantasy day. Um, you know, we, we saw it in that, that Packers game comes to mind where he didn't do a whole lot, but he made the one, he had the one long touchdown catch and you know, ended up over 100 yards. But Waddle's averaging just 5.4 targets per game over his last five at 17% target share. And then again, you have this quarterback downgrade with Skylar Thompson, who last week targeted Waddle on just one of his 21 throws. And you go back to that week five game against the Jets with Thompson under center. Waddle only had four targets in that game. Four of Thompson's 33 passes went to Jalen Waddle. He finished that one with just three catches for 23 yards. So, again, he's a scary bench because of the the big play upside. But um, I I definitely think he's benchable if you have better options this week. Over those past five games that you mentioned, 5.4 targets, 2.8 catches, a 52% catch rate over that span. That was with Tua most of the time. The only reason he didn't tank is because he averaged 24.9 yards per catch on the balls that he did catch. We did have two big Jalen Waddle games mixed in there because of long plays. They were surrounded by three little games, and I think it's a much better bet to bet on a little game here. So I would have Jalen Waddle outside of the top 36. I think there are much safer bets for targets, especially when you throw in Skylar Thompson being the quarterback for this one and a Jets defense that's been a negative matchup for wide receivers all year. I just think there are much better bets than Jalen Waddle this week. For sure. Um, it just it just gets shaky down there in that uh range of the wide receiver rankings i guess that's why i have them a, a bit higher than outside the outside the top 36 chiefs wideouts what do we do with these guys this week jared uh, well juju is costing me a lot of money in two straight weeks now um two straight duds and just seven total targets over that span a 10 percent target share even his route rate was down last week to 72 percent it's been you know living in the, the 80s for most of the season so that's scary now they were two tough matchups um denver and seattle the second and third ranked wide receiver defenses now he gets vegas 
who is 21st in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. The Chiefs easily have the highest implied total of the week. They obviously still have something to play for on Saturday um, you know, with, with the one seed up for grabs. So I'm going to um, reluctantly go, go back to Juju um, in, in season long. And you know, if you're playing the Saturday slate in DFS, I do think he's interesting, especially if the ownership is going to be down on him. I think he's a wide receiver three this week. He's been playing out wide more later in the season than he was early in the year. I guess he was, oh, he was really moving around more than you would think. You think of Juju Smith-Schuster as a slot receiver. He has been a little bit less that with the Chiefs who do like to move all their wideouts around. He's the one that I'm still okay with playing, but more of a wide receiver three this week. Kadarius Tony, of course, is the guy who flashed for some production last week, and now we got Nicole Hardman back. So are either of those two interesting? Yeah, so we'll have to see about Hardman. Um, he was activated yesterday, at least in part because that was the end of the 21-day window to activate him. So if he wasn't activated, he would have been out for the season. He was limited in Wednesday's practice, so it seems like he's still you know, iffy for this game. Same goes for Sky Moore, who returned to a limited practice on Wednesday. Um, it seems like he has a chance to return from that hand injury. That that's gonna, you know, to me, tell us whether we can play Kadarius Tony. I would need both of those guys out to play Kadarius Tony in this game. Um, you know, he continues to be efficient on the targets he, he does get as a chief so far, um, but you know the, the route rates have, have still been nowhere near where they need to be to make him a reliable fantasy play. Yeah, don't play Kadarius Tony this week. Five, Fifteen routes last week, four catches. He hasn't topped four catches in a game this season. I mean, could he catch four balls and score a touchdown? Sure, but there are about 70 wide receivers that that's true for. <laughs> Christian Watson, limited Wednesday, played through his hip injury Sunday, but he was down in playing time yeah. versus his usual 80% plus in five straight games before the injury game against Miami, 60% against Minnesota. Now, that was a blowout win, so it's tough to say just how much of that was the injury caught one of five targets. I I'd probably lean away from using him, but I would be like, depending on how the practice week goes for Christian Watson, I would rather play him over Jalen Waddle and over at least anybody besides Juju. It'd be a tough decision for me between Watson and Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Total wait and see for me and Christian Watson. We just need to see how he progresses over the next couple of days. You know what we hear about his role, Um, because if he's going to be limited again, uh, and to me, he didn't, quite look as explosive in that you know there's a deep ball that I thought maybe he could have got to if he, he was healthy in that game last week so again I'm just going to track the injury reports it's a great spot for him obviously Detroit 26 and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers so if we do get a healthy Watson you know I think he's a, he's a high upside play yeah agreed Mike Williams usually a high upside play but down the rankings this week yeah and was down even before the possibility of Chargers resting starters here um, you know Williams is going to get the Pat Sertan matchup here and Sertan has done an excellent job on Williams in their meetings over the last couple of seasons. Mike Williams had just two catches for 17 yards on six targets in their uh, week six meeting earlier this season. Both of Williams' catches actually came away from Sertan's coverage too. Um, but then go back to last year, Williams versus Denver, four catches, 39 yards, three catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown. So um, you know, definitely looks like more of a, a bust spot than a boom spot for Mike Williams. Agreed. Tyler Lockett, you look at just the numbers from last week and you see his playing time way down. You think, oh, coming off the finger repair, it makes sense that he wouldn't play as much. That wasn't the issue, though. He had a lower leg contusion after he got yeah. kicked in the first half. Pete Carroll said he came back and tried to play, but they, he was sore the whole game. Says the kick happened to an area that Lockett had already previously hurt this year. So it sounds like that was the primary limiter in his playing time. Pete Carroll said the finger held up great. Um, I think famously was the word that he used to describe it. So we had no practice for Tyler Lockett Wednesday, but he says he's going to play in this game. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to play because again, it's a, you know, win or go home game for Seattle. And the question is how much does Lockett play? How effective he is? Um, Another guy in the same boat as Christian Watson for me, unfortunately, where it's just tough to say right now. Um, I think by, you know, Friday afternoon, we'll have a better idea of, how much we can trust Lockett in in lineups this week. Yeah. If he's good to go by the weekend, then he's somebody that I would play fairly comfortably over Jalen Waddle. You know, if we get to Friday and he's got no game status for this game. Yes. I would, I would love if we got to Friday and he was off the final injury report. Rashid Shahid is the last guy in our wide receiver section. Jared, what's he for you this week? Yeah. Well, just in general, the more I've thought about the saints Panthers game, I like, 
Shahid and Chris Olave as plays this week. Um, we obviously just said Mike Evans have the massive game against Carolina. They're going to once again be without J.C. Horn for this game. But Shahid, so Shahid and Chris Olave ran, ran the same number of routes last week. They were both at 88%. That's a strong number. Shahid actually out-targeted Chris Olave. Shahid had 25% of the Saints' targets. Olave was at 21%. Shahid's averaging 4.3 catches and 73 receiving yards over his last four games now. He, he's just emerged um, as, a, I think, a legitimate – player for the Saints this season maybe even you know looking ahead to 2023 he might be a guy who's in the mix to you know maybe at least be their number three wide receiver so um and again Carolina dead last in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers I think Mike Evans game had a big part to do with that I don't think they were dead last heading into last week but you know a 200 yard three touchdown game from Evans will do that but um so again I, I think Olave and Shahid are both in the wide receiver three mix this week and uh, a couple guys to consider for DFS tournaments I agree. I think there's more upside to Shahid this week than Waddle. I'm just looking at guys that we've been talking about. Who's the next year number two wide receiver for the Saints in the scenario where you're saying that Shahid's maybe the number three? <laughs> I don't know. What's the Michael Thomas situation? It's not the offseason yet. I haven't looked into all this stuff. I'm not sure what Thomas's um, contract situation is. Yeah, I ask that only because I think it's possible he's the number two wide receiver next year. And, you know, we'll see. Like, we, none of us knew really anything about Rashid Shahid before the season. He's an undrafted free agent from Weber State. So he surprised most football observers. I like him right now, though, as, you know, not just a week 18 upside option, but I think he's an interesting dynasty buy right now because he's the kind of guy that has flashed late in the season that it's easy to say eh, he was nobody before this. He took advantage of opportunity when everybody else got hurt. Forget about him. Trade him for whatever you can get. Now, mm -hmm. if I'm on the other side of that, why not get, if you could get him for, say, a third round rookie pick, maybe even less, you could start at a fourth rounder and see what happens. But I say, why not give up a third round rookie pick for a guy that at least is speedy? He's six foot 180, so he's not tiny. He's not huge, but, you know, he's not miniature. We know that he's a terrific kick returner. So that gives the reason that gives the team reason to keep him around. He's got the speed, which is, you know, talent that he has shown to this point. If we look back to college, he didn't put up big numbers. He did fine on market shares, but didn't really stand out in that area. Was a tremendous kick returner, 29 yards per kick return, seven career return touchdowns, an FCS record. So again, that's just he has displayed some of the talent. That's one thing you need to stick on an NFL roster. Now he has showed his NFL team that he does have value on offense as well. He might turn into absolutely nothing from here, but at the price of a third round rookie pick, you're either taking a shot on somebody who's still a total unknown from college might be a bigger name than Rashid Shahid right now, but mm -hmm. has done literally nothing in the NFL, or you take a shot on a guy who at least worked out for a few games as a starter for his team this year is really fast and is in a spot where he could be the number two receiver next season. Yeah. I'm a little torn on that idea. Um, I do like what Shahid has shown over the past month. And I do think there's opportunity for him to, you know, again, at least be a top three wide receiver for this team next year. I don't like, as you said, he, he's an undrafted guy, he, you know, didn't have the production profile in college. You know, a lot of those guys tend to just sort of wash out. So I wouldn't want to give up a ton for him. I also wonder, you know, if someone owns Rashid Shahid in your dynasty league, like they're probably kind of excited what they've got for him from him over the past month. So they're probably not going to give him away for nothing. Third round rookie pick is definitely as, as high as I'd go in, in a uh, Shahid trade right now. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't go any higher than that. And I, yeah, I don't mention him as a guy you got to go get, but this time of year, we're all kind of focused on yeah. the bigger names, trying to sell high on guys that we think are going to, um, you know, disappear from here or, by buy low on guys that we all, you know, that there are plenty of people think are going to break out. So he's one of those guys that maybe it becomes something, maybe you steal him for, you know, not much of a price, maybe he turns into a helper for your team. Maybe he is not anything like I, I, I hesitate to bring up the names because I don't think that Rashid Shahid will ever be Steve Smith or Tyree kill, but Steve Smith and Tyree kill were both primarily return men at the beginning of their careers. Tyree kill was a fifth round pick. Steve Smith was a third rounder, but spent basically the first two years of his career as primarily a return man. So, you know, again, I'm not saying yeah. that's what Shahid is, but we have seen plenty of guys start out with something, even though we didn't know about them at first and then turn it into something bigger with opportunity. And there's, there is some work out there too. I forget who it was, um, but pointing out how some of these smaller college guys who didn't necessarily win on market share as a receiver 
another potential indicator is production in the return game. Yeah, that's the guys at Rotoviz have done some work on that and the correlation between you know, return production and success in the NFL. I don't think Shahid's a high likelihood bet, but there's definitely a chance for him. Um, I also think he's probably available on waiver wires in shallower leagues. Like, I think even your FFPC dynasty leagues that are only 20 roster spots, he's probably available on the waiver wire in some of those. Yeah, it's going to be tougher to start in those leagues where you only have to start two wide receivers. But yeah, interesting name. We'll uh, look into it more as we get into the offseason. Moving over to tight end for week 18. On the injury front, I think Noah Fant's probably the most significant guy. No practice Wednesday with his knee. He's been playing through that for the past couple weeks. But just three targets and two catches in each of those games, despite Tyler Lockett missing one of those games and then being limited in the second. Yeah, Colby Parkinson ran more routes and had more targets than Noah Fant last week. Um, and more hair. And more hair. Um, so that that hopefully that means Fant was not healthy and not that Seattle actually wants to play Colby Parkinson over Noah Fant. Um, so, yeah, he's um, not someone I'm super interested in, in, in playing this week. What about Tyler Higby? Are you super interested in him? He was awesome <laughs> in week 16 against Denver. Yeah. He was garbage last week against the Chargers. And before that Denver game, much closer to trash in the previous four games than he was awesome. Yeah, definitely not super interested, but I have some interest in Higby. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield threw just 19 passes in that game last week. Um, Higby actually saw four targets, which is a 21% target share. Also ran her out on 76% of the dropbacks, so that's a good number. Then he gets this Seattle matchup that we, you know, we've been attacking with tight ends all season. Seattle still dead last in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. They're 28th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage ranking, so – Higby's inside our top 10 tight ends for the week, which is, you know, tells you more about tight ends than it does Higby's. Yeah, there's some, some potential motivation for the Rams this week to keep Seattle out of the yeah. playoffs. Darren yeah. Waller has scored touchdowns in two of three games since returning from IR. It looks like a positive matchup this week against the Chiefs. Nine and a half point underdogs. Kansas City is 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Jared, why does Darren Waller not sit higher than <laughs> ninth in our PPR ranks? Yeah, because he's basically splitting work with Foster Moreau, or at least he did the past couple of weeks. Um, Darren Waller ran her out on 63% of the pass plays last week. Foster Moreau is at 59%. And Waller, you know, he's he's produced in fantasy each of his last three games back now, but he has just 13 total targets over that span, a 13% target share. So the usage has not been there. It obviously, you know, makes him a flimsier fantasy play. But like you said, the spot is good, good matchup should have volume on his side with the Raiders playing from behind. And it, it's still Darren Waller again. You know, he's looked good these past few weeks. So, you know, r- risk reward fantasy play. Tyler Conklin, similar to Waller. It's not tough to build the upside case for him this week. Yeah. The Dolphins are the third best scoring matchup for tight ends by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. But Jared, I would say that Tyler Conklin's like a tethered hot air balloon. What's his tether? <laughs> yeah. Kind of the same deal as Waller where the, the, the usage isn't great. Um, you know, Produced last week, six catches for 80 yards in that Seattle matchup that, that we love for tight ends. Um, but just 65% of the pass routes for, for Tyler Conklin, um, six targets, but that was just a 13% target share in a game that Mike White threw a lot. So, again, you're, you're playing Conklin for the matchup, but um, you know the usage still doesn't you know make him a, a tight end one fantasy. Yeah, for sure. Hunter Henry, I said that there is one injury. That, there's one more injury to throw in here. It's not Hunter Henry. It's Johnny Smith, who was still not practicing Wednesday with his concussion. So we'll see if he's back. But with Johnny Smith out last week, Hunter Henry caught five balls for 62 yards on six targets against those Dolphins that we just talked about. That was his second most targets of the season, though. His first time all year above four catches and new England did get Devonte Parker back to practice Wednesday after he missed three games with a concussion. So kind of similar to Tyler Conklin in that you could use Hunter Henry this week, yeah. but there's just not enough here to get excited about. Yeah. And I, you know, Henry is kind of the exact opposite of Conklin where the usage is nice. As you said, he had the six targets last week, 18% target share ran her out on every single Patriots pass play, which is very rare to see for, from a tight end. But Henry gets this Buffalo matchup. That, that's one of the teams I just try to avoid with tight ends. Um, Buffalo second in adjusted points allowed to tight ends, second in football outsiders, tight end coverage ranking. So that that's why Henry does not make our top 12 this week. It's because of that matchup. And the Bills are at home and they have something to play for. So right. yeah, nothing to get excited about with Hunter Henry this week. Defenses, Jared, who's your top streaming option on that side? Well, it's got to be the defense facing Nathan Peterman, right? Which is the Vikings. Um, man, every time I look at this, I have to like, look at it three times to make sure it's right. But Nathan Peterman has 13 interceptions on 141 career pass attempts. 
So that that's basically like three interceptions per game. If you say he's throwing it like 35 times per game. So Minnesota, definitely your top play again. They do have something to play for at least to, to start that game. Yeah. So if you don't have Minnesota available, I think other options include the chargers. Although we talked about their issue might not be motivated by the time they get to that game. Obviously the Broncos are a tremendous matchup. So if you do want a motivated one, I think the Jaguars should be higher in our uh, team defense rankings this week than they currently are. Josh Dobbs, we talked about threw for more yards than anybody was guessing last week, but also checked in 32nd in PFF passing grade among week 17 quarterbacks. He had turnover worthy plays on nine and a half percent of his throws that trailed only Gardner Minshew for week 17. It was a higher rate than Carson Wentz or Mike white and a roughly even rate with Nick Foles one and a half games this season, just to tell you like it, the number of turnovers is not always the way to measure it because there are plenty of those throws that could be picked off and just didn't get caught. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you that Jacksonville should be higher. We can bump them up. I probably have them around like 13 or 14. I think the downside with them is, again, we're not projecting a ton of Josh Dobbs dropbacks. And also the Jacks defense just isn't good. <laughs> yeah, there's a the chance that Derrick Henry runs for 150 and they score, I don't know, 17 points. And it's just like a mad performance. I'm not worried about them killing you. Uh, so it's kind of, I guess it's the Aaron Rodgers of team defenses. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's fair. They're a pretty safe play. I'm not sure that the ceiling is high. Um, I think the Seahawks are in play and other defense is not good, but I, I like the matchup against the Rams. Um, you know, Baker has been pretty solid for LA, but he has taken 12 sacks in his four games. You know, that O-line is still bad. And then both sides of the Indy Houston game. I think there, there's upside to both of those defenses because of the offenses they're facing. Oh, I'd so much rather play, pay no attention to that game, but I can't argue <laughs> that either of those defenses can be an option. Yeah, if you're going to pay attention, it's, it's for the defenses and Zach Moss. <laughs> that seems like a good place to end this week 18 preview edition of the podcast and the whole season of weekly preview podcasts. As I said, we will be back on the Draft Sharks YouTube channel Friday around midday for our final round of DFS lineup building and drafting podcasts. We'll cover DraftKings, FanDuel, Underdog, and Sleeper. We will also continue to produce weekly projections throughout the playoffs, along with other playoff fantasy content. Jared and I will be back in the studio next week with Adam Krautwurst and Mike Shope to talk strategy for the FFPC playoff challenge. And Jared, even if people aren't playing in that specifically on FFPC, yeah. we'll talk a lot about matchups and playoff advancements. So there should be stuff for anybody who's playing um, playoff fantasy this year. For sure. Something for everyone. And um, I don't want to lock us into anything, but I think we'll be on once a week during the playoffs to you know, do a DFS underdog sleeper type show, at least for the first few rounds of the playoffs where we have you know, six, six or eight games or whatever it's going to be. Maybe a little dynasty content mixed in there as well. We'll have to see exactly oh, yeah. what rolls out. Of course, if you're still playing fantasy in week 18, you can find everything you need on draftsharks.com. We've got our full projections. We've got our lineup setting tools, injury and news updates via the shark bites section, my free underdog picks article, which is out there. You can see how it's done. You don't have to listen to me tell you that it's done well this season. That's just comparing the underdog numbers to draft sharks projections and highlighting plays for you to use in underdog pickums. You can use our rankings, of course, to find more either for underdog pickums or just general player prop betting. If that's how you're attacking week 18, it's all there for Jared Smoll and the rest of the draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Shouse saying thanks so much for swimming with us.